You are listening to a podcast that will focus on one question. What the fuck is going on in this Welcome to New Normal. I have spent the last few years trying to discover the ultimate version of myself. I will do anything to figure out who I am at the core of my soul. Is anyone here familiar with a meditative sound bath? A sound bath is when you are so filthy that water itself can no longer cleanse you. So you pay a man named Tree $38 to play a didgeridoo on your face for 45 minutes. You lay on the ground trying to detox your demons while a man whose breath reeks of patchouli oil and dreadlocks down to his ankles leans over you going until the dirt is so physically annoyed it runs away from your body and you're left in a very pure state. Greetings, fellow Nui's, Normies, Nui Normies. To analyze this joke called life. Welcome back, or welcome to the inconsistently published podcast, New Normal. My name is Brian Newfang, and I will be your guide through the existential chaos. Welcome to the show. I'm a comical coach trying to be a catalyst for change. I now run a program called the New Normal Personal Wellness Experience. If you're interested in experiencing a new normal, I'll be your guy. I'm also a podcaster, and I'm a production manager, a producer, a person, working towards mastery in all areas of his life. I mean, honestly, I used to struggle with the idea of being a multi-passionate, a pursuer of knowledge in all areas of life. I'm a jack of all trades, master of none, that bullshit. That was until recently I heard the remix or it could be the original Shakespeare version that says, uh, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Bam. Let me move my soapbox a little closer to the mic. Because this show is for me and people like me, the seekers but never finders, the curious, the open-minded, and those that have been blinded by the plight of living lives that they don't align with. I'm not a poet, but I can play one on the internet. Because life can be lyrical, if you let it. Existence is art. And poetry, it I mean, at least it is that way for me. Living openly, constantly, rearranging the prism of perspective, attempting to see the multiplicity of realities, clearly. You dig? <laughs> Ugh, oh my God, who says that? Um, I do. You dig? Well, dig this. I'm back and forth. Definitely is back, back again. again, but I'm back to win. So just tell a friend that I'm still twisting and bending. Minds and rhymes until the very end. With the rhyme, rhyme and the loop, stomping out whack troops in my big black boots, collecting respect and the loop. Uh, welcome to how my brain works, where all the thoughts are highlighted with rap lyrics that seem to support the context of my beliefs most of which were formulated in the 1990s, so forgive me. (laughs) I've spent my entire life untangling the web of false beliefs that do not serve me in search of the constant updates that prevent me from getting stuck and propel me forward in our faster-than-ever changing times. 
This show is about narratives, nature, nonsense. It's a practice of positive self-expression and exploration. It is in the space that we will ponder the paradoxes of life, hear from creative professionals and healers about some of the crazy things people do to stay sane, while we investigate the narratives that nurture maturity to understand how we grow. K-N-E-W, normal, is about navigating the next level, whatever that is for you. Because believe it or not, you already have the tools, and I'm just here to remind you. Because reminding you helps remind me that we already have everything we need to succeed. (laughs) Okay, so since I last published, a lot has happened. And I'm not going to go into detail, but I feel it's necessary to bring this up to speed. I've recorded my last episode days after an ankle surgery that basically spun me into a deep, deep depression. I'll just tell you that being incapacitated on opiates was fine until it wasn't. And then my already fragile feelings of self-worth plummeted to depths I forgot were possible. And this is what I mean by narratives. My identity seems to be wrapped up in stories. The ones I tell me about myself and the ones I tell myself about what other people tell themselves about me. So basically my head's a mess. And, you know, some days are worse than others. And so, you know, I got to thank therapy and technology and the collective powers that created therapy and technology. This podcast is the journey and not the destination. It will focus on many journeys and tools of transformation. Sorry, I find it hard not to rhyme when I write these intros down, so apologies if that turns you off. Uh, You can let me know in the comments or text me your feedback if you have my number. Truthfully though, I just want to turn you on. Do I make you horny, baby? Not like that, but in the sense that ignites your curiosity to a passionate fever of exploration and self-awareness. And if that's your thing, you should check out my friends at Field Trip Health. I recently partnered with a company uh, to help promote their app, Trip. I've been invited on as an ambassador, uh, so I'm just helping spread the word about what I feel is a valuable tool for self-guided explorations of inner space. Uh, this is the app that I've been using personally for the last several months. And in conjunction with talk therapy, it's really helped me maneuver through this last cycle of the depression. Now, I don't receive any money for this. There's no compensation, but I just believe in what they're putting out into the world and it works. And I think it's to the benefit of anybody curious about psychedelics, meditation, breath work. Perhaps we will talk about it more in a future episode. Uh, However, thank you, Trip, for helping me stay grounded and moving through my shifting inner landscape. And there's the plug. Good things are happening. I think I needed a psychic break to recalibrate. And I'll share more in a future episode, but I'm rolling into a new phase of growth. I am now more aware of how the stories I carry with me contribute to the feelings I experience in life. I'm gaining more clarity on my path, and I'm opening up the door to new experiences, shifting my normal in real time. And that's why I'm here. That's why I make this show, as a place to show up for growth, articulate, investigate, and share And if the sound of my voice is reaching your ear, then I want to thank you for being here. Okay. Well, I really do. I have so much more to say. 
but I'm afraid I'll have to save it for another day and force myself to get on with the show. So you may notice a dramatic difference in the audio quality of the interview today and today's show, but let me explain. The conversation I recorded was my first in-person recording uh, for the podcast, and my guest and I spent an hour in my living room speaking into microphones that weren't properly connected. So the audio is what was picked up by the built-in microphone on my laptop. Not ideal for recording a podcast, but kind of pure fucking comedy. And perfect for my guest on today's show, the comedian Alex Hooper. So Alex, if you're hearing this, I apologize. Uh, I'm sorry for not capturing your the true rasp of your unique voice in high fidelity. And I thank you for gracing the show with your presence. You're a one-of-a-kind performer and comedic artist. Uh, and that's also why I'm recording this entire episode on my MacBook's built-in microphone, because people deserve continuity in the degraded sound quality. Fuck it, it's a podcast. And my guest on this show is Alex Hooper. You may have seen him smash and destroy conventions on the America's Got Talent stage. If not, I highly recommend pausing this and doing a quick YouTube search to get acquainted with the brilliance of his talent. Alex has talent, and America has Alex, so I guess America's got talent. Alex really is a gem of a human being, an incredibly talented comic who traverses both light and dark subject matter, transmuting it all into laughter. You can and should listen to his comedy albums, Calm Down Peasants and Hugs, Pugs, Drugs. You can follow him on Instagram, at HooperHairPuff, to get a daily sweet dose of comic positivity from these daily lollipops that he creates. And you can book him on Cameo, or you can buy his self-help book, Roast Yourself to Happiness. I mean, he's truly an enigmatic character of cosmic comic proportions. I hope you are as delighted to hear as I am to share this conversation with the one and only Alex Hooper. Such an honor to be here surrounded by three of the furriest little cuties I have ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, Einstein gives me luck dragon vibes. Yeah, I mean, everything about these dogs is hilarious and regal, and <laughs> they're just, I mean, like you said, they're pugs in formal wear, and they, that's exactly what they look like, and it's, you know, I have two pugs myself, this is just, uh, what's better than being surrounded by three little hilarious dogs all the time? I can't think of anything, honestly. I get, you know, the feel-good vibes, I can't not look at these things and smile, or think I'm in some weird alternate universe, because they don't appear like dogs. You know, they look like little creatures, mogwai, aliens. Yeah, and these are not, it, this is not a, this is a, in a rare breed. I mean, I, you don't see these dogs very often. No. And so, Japanese chins is what you said they were called, right? I mean, yeah, they're just, I mean, the coloring is so good. They have those tiny little teeth. Those dog's teeth get to me so much, man. <laughs> wow. Like, both of my pugs have had dental work done, and one of them has lost 20, has had 26 teeth removed, and it just makes him look so much more hilarious. And, you know. Yeah, we're, we're living the same, a similar life. So she's got like six teeth left in her mouth. He's about to get some dental work done. And he's, he's left with about 14. <laughs> so they, they, eat, they eat soft food. They, you know, they, I give them kibble sometimes and they look at me like I'm crazy because they're like, what am I going to do with this stuff? Aww. Swallow it whole. 
Oh, just like an old man having to remove his dentures to eat his mashed potatoes. I wish doggy dentures were a thing, honestly. (laughs) Just to give these guys a little bit of... (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. I would have very oversized, like, chiclet-sized teeth, like, going in there so that they just... When they smile, it would look like it was just so out of place. (laughs) Uh, I'd really scare people on the street, you know? (laughs) Give them, like, weird, like, you know, new fangs. Uh, what was that? Some, some what now? <laughs> new fangs. Some new fangs? Oh, listen to you just <laughs> dropping your name into the podcast three minutes in. I know. Well, people know what, what they're listening to, why they're here. It's for me, man. I hope so. I got, I'll figure out a way to throw mine in there. So, at some point during the podcast, well, I'll drop my name. Well, the, Alex Hooper, I will say it enough times so you don't have to. Um, let's, uh, let's let the people who might not know who you are know who you are. Oh my gosh, do I have to say who I am? Let yeah, me... I don't like doing intros. I prefer to hear from my guests how you currently define yourself. Uh, I am first and foremost a human. Uh, second, uh, kind of. I mean, parts of me are. Because I think there's probably a lot of debate about that on the internet. Um, I'm a comedian. I'm all about happiness, love, and trippy colors, and silliness, and overall just having Fun. That is my vibe. I try to. I'm. In, I'm unapologetically positive. Um, I try to be. So, this is. I was gonna say I try to be motivational, inspirational, but that sounds dumb if you're trying to be those things. So I'm not trying to be that. It just so happens that people tell me I am all the time because of the way that I live my life. Um, just. Because I really, I don't let myself get in a lot of bad moods. I try to just, like, if you're around me, I want you to feel uplifted. I want you to smile and laugh. And I want you to walk away feeling a little more energized than whenever you came into contact with me initially. Yes. And when I think about that, it tends to enhance my own mood and make me conscious of the vibe that I'm putting out there. And so I just, you know, I try to not complain Try to not be, like, a sour bitch. I mean, there's times I have my days when, of course, like, I'm struggling and I'm in a bad mood. I just try not to put it out there um, just because I think energy is infectious. And I think if I'm in a good mood, I can make other people in a I can put other people in a good mood. And I think you do. I think you live into your uh, purpose a little bit, if that's if that's what we're aiming at here. Yeah, that's 100% my purpose, is just really, like, I want you to walk away feeling happier. If you interact with me in any way, if you watch one of my comedy clips, if you come see a show, if you run into me at a music festival and I'm swinging a tail around and wearing a rainbow unitard or something like that, I want you to leave going, like, that was fun. Like, all right, cool. Like, good. That's that's what I strive for, and that's what I kind of push for in my comedy too. Is I'm I'm very dark, um, which is very <laughs> like I, I'm I'm a I'm a walking paradox in so many ways uh, because I'm known for being a savage and brutal roaster, um, but that's really not who I am at all in the same way. Like, that's just a character that I play. And honestly, I think that's one of the things that I, that resonates with me about when you perform and when I just see you, because I know you to be this happy, you know, sort of positivity guy. But for example, just seeing you at uh, the Best Fish Taco show a couple weeks ago and you had a new joke. I'm assuming it was new about meeting a kid at the park where you were slacklining. I'm not going to give it away, but uh, the, the joke turns uh, a bit after 
And, you know, little Timmy or whoever this kid ends up being uh, gets life lessons from Alex Hooper. And that shit got so dark. I was fucking that show made my face hurt by the way oh good that, I mean, the whole lineup was that insane. whole night it was beautiful to be back i mean i've loved best of stock has been going for what almost nine years yeah. now if you, if you if you minus the pandemic year it's yeah we're calling it 10 anyway yeah it's such an la institution of a show and it always has such a good crowd and i love doing my like latest stuff there but yeah i mean the thing is that joke is a perfect indicator of who i am a great representation of me because there's so much heart in it. It is me trying to relate to this child and really trying to influence him in a positive way. But then I take this very twisted turn where, you know, I'm basically telling this kid that he's going to try to kill himself at, at some point some in his point life. And it is, and it, and the thing is, like, it, nobody sees that coming. But then I end it again by just being like, but right now is not the time for this. Not like, you're now. a child. Have fun love your life all that stuff and that's why like i love i love doing that joke mm-hmm. um it's how just, old how old is that joke i i wrote it I, I started doing it over zoom like when we were still in lockdown because oh, wow. it happened a little over a little over a year ago is when it went down mm-hmm. and i just kept building it and building it and i fe- eventually got it to the place where it is now where it just there's a it, there's a lot of different moving pieces to it there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of tension involved there's screaming there's whispering it's very it's a very dynamic piece and i do consider it like there are there are jokes that i do and then there are bits that i do and then there are pieces and i can i very much consider that like a piece almost like it's theater mm-hmm. um because there's no crowd work happening. There are very distinct places that I aim for to go when I start doing it. Yeah. Like, I need everyone to shut the fuck up so I can really build this thing and get it to where it needs to go. And, I mean, people have... I've seen people lose their minds with that joke. I was in Atlanta, like, a month ago, and I just started to do the joke. And even before I got to where and he turns dark, this woman in the front row goes... Front row, front row goes Please don't do this. <laughs> Which I was like, I'm going to. I can't deal with that right now. And here we go. <laughs> she like, stopped coming. Yeah, she. I, I think she just kind of knew, like, well, this is probably going to take a turn at some point. And, but that's, but again, it doesn't end. It ends in a very positive mm-hmm. way. And that's, I think, why you get away with something like that. Why I get away with so much of what I do is because people understand that it's a joke. I'm a satirist. You know, people get that. And that's why, like, if you take what I do seriously in the roast world, you're mental. Like, people are like, this guy is a monster. He right. should not be able to be on stage. He's, I'm like, I'm wearing a fucking tail. I'm wearing a fur coat and throwing lollipops to the crowd while I'm roasting. If you think this is real in any way, you are a moron. Like, and that's why I think it's so fun. And that's why, like, I get to dig that old depression and anger and, like, that, you know, misanthropic, like, just curmudgeon ways that I, like, grew up with, and I bring it back out of me. And, like, honestly, I think that's why I don't have violent outbursts or, like, I don't scream in public or something is because I get it out in this very 
healthy way. Yeah, you definitely take people on a ride um, because your, your energy throughout your sets, it's like you said, there's whispers, there's moments where you draw people in, but then you're like, the burr! And then you get so loud. And uh, I don't know, Alexi, uh, it's not really... Alexi, yeah. No, that's really yeah. But, um, horrific. So how did this all, how did all of this begin? Because I met you, which you probably don't remember meeting me, but it was at an open mic at Flappers for the Setlist show. And I think you were hosting the open mic there. Okay. Yep. And I came and did a horrible set and left ashamed. My wife was with me at the time. And I was like, that's not something I That's not terrible. Uh, but never then, bring your significant other to an open mic. Oh, especially. It's, 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 it never goes well. Yeah. It was, it was terrible. She had been to enough shows. She, she knew that it was, yeah, it was fine. She just, and she's there for me, you know. Yeah, of course. Cry on. Um, but then, uh, our mutual friend Troy Conrad put out a calendar with you and Pugs, which got featured on Ellen. So, yeah. So your career trajectory, I've, is something that I have watched and admired and have been just delightfully surprised by at almost every turn. So let's start at the beginning. I want to know, uh, Alex Hooper, where you started open micing in what city you didn't, or did you start comedy in LA? I know I started in LA. So I, uh, when I was in college, I, I grew up in Baltimore. I went to school in Pittsburgh and a school called Point Park University. And I didn't do comedy there, but I was in their theater program and I got expelled because I was doing professional work. This MTV show came to town. I ended up getting cast in it. Um, and I had to leave the play I was in to shoot the show for two weeks. And the school expelled me for doing this. So I said, okay, I'm expelled for a year. It just so happened Pittsburgh signed a $75 million tax credit that year to entice the film industry to film there. So we had a boom in the city and suddenly I was auditioning for movies and I got cast in a couple films and I was able to join SAG uh, when I was only 21 years old. So I was like, okay, I've always wanted to live in California. I can stay in Pittsburgh a city that I love. It's beautiful. I love the people. It's artistic. There's so much I, I really enjoy about it. They put french fries in every sandwich. Yep. You gotta love that. From Mandy um, Bros to the end. Oh, hell yeah. French fries and coleslaw right on this, <laughs> right between the bread, man. Um, I started, and so I just realized, like, let me go make a run at this in LA and see if I can be, you know, a- a- move my acting chops over there. And after six months, I was just bored. And I was just like, I'm not auditioning enough. I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. What, is, what do I do? And a friend was like, you really should do stand-up. And I didn't know how, but he kind of showed me like, well, I'm kind of doing it. Here's a bringer show that you can do, you know. And so I did my first one. I know the date, March 13th, 2009, because uh, I'm a psychopath. And um, I just, I did it once. And I was like, oh, there it is. That's all I've ever wanted. Whatever just happened up there is what I have been chasing my entire life. And it just started to, it's, everything started to fall into place where before I was very toxic and I didn't know, I had so much energy, but it would get released in these very negative ways because I didn't know what to do with it. And I was depressed and I was just not a fun person to be around because I was complaining. I thought the universe was against me. And suddenly I had found comedy and I was like, wow, I can channel everything into this. And then I just hit the ground running and I have never looked back since. And I was like, this will be my life, whatever I have to do, because this is the one thing that truly, this is the one 
basically job, artistic endeavor I've ever had that really serves everything that I'm looking for. The immediacy of stand-up is so beautiful. There is no lying to an audience. Like, then they can't lie to you either. You know when it's going well or when it's not. And the vulnerability of being up there, I just became addicted to it. Mm -hmm. And I just, then, you know, over the years, I started, I was doing well in LA, like from, from the first few years. But when I really started like figuring out who I was and mainly that happened through like getting dogs, being in a relationship, going to all these music festivals and feeling inspired by seeing the creativity from so many other people. And then I was like, whoa, these people like at festivals are doing whatever they want, wearing whatever they want. They're in character. There's no judgment going on. How do I get here? You know, how do I get to a place where I'm truly free and I don't give a shit what other people think about what I'm doing? And when you do get to that, I'm not going to say I'm fully there. Of course, I always care a little bit. But when you do get to a place when you can truly start discovering who you are and put it into your art, you've reached a whole nother level. And that's all I'm looking for now is how do I keep finding more little nuanced truths about myself in this journey? Holy shit. So you're not just up there slinging jokes to people. Like you have sort of, you embody this job. Yeah. If it's a thing. Like uh, I think that's that's such an incredible way to look at comedy. And certainly I know just from my little experience in it that it does serve all those purposes. And I don't know about you, but like, so let me ask you then, where do you draw influence from? Or where did you draw influence before until you started to find yourself in the comedy? Um, was, there, was there a place that you looked at so-and-so and whoever and were like, ah. I mean, I always looked at other comedians that were just like, you know, clever and silly. Like, you know, people like Dimitri Martin and Mitch Hedberg and, um, you know, it's people like that gave me a lot of inspiration because you could tell that they were themselves, but they were also just writing really good jokes. Right. And so I think in the beginning, like if like I put out an album in 2018 and it's called hugs, drugs, pugs. And if you listen to that album, there is perspective and there are like ideas and you can get a glimpse of who I am, but it was mostly like, I was just writing a lot of like bits. They were shorter. You know, my average joke was probably 60 to 90 seconds. And you're just like figuring out how to be a comedian and how to put fluid thoughts together. So they seem cohesive and while they are like me, now I feel like I'm really in a place where I'm truly creating original style uh, and, and thoughts and doing stuff where no one could ever steal one of my bits because they're very intrinsically attached to me. Right. And I think that's the most important thing is if you write a joke and you're like, oh, well, six other people have a joke very similar to that, then that's not a good enough joke for you. And you, even though you like it, um, it doesn't really matter. And that's why I really don't do topical stuff so much. I mean, if I'm on the road, like a little bit here and there, but for the most part, I just try to think of silly ideas and then stretch them as far as they will go and see where I end up. And the problem is a lot of time it does end up with some sort of chaotic destruction and, you know, just the collapse of everything. I'm very morbid and apocalyptic in so many ways. And I don't know why, um, because I, I mean, I do kind of know why. I mean, I just grew up that way. 
But yeah. there's again, that's kind of the dichotomy of who I am as a performer, though, is like, wow, you're so happy. You're wearing all this colorful clothing. You're wearing a kimono. Yeah, you're talking about a lot of dark shit here, man. Well, <laughs> you know, comedy to me, it's a, the sacred and the profane. And so when you straddle the line, I think the tension that you create in the middle for me, at least is what I enjoy the most. When somebody can take the darkest subject matter, but put such a, you know, spin it with such light. You're like, oh, should I even be laughing at that? Because yeah. we all have dark thoughts, whether we want them or not. And I'm so, it's so funny you mentioned your uh, Hugs, Pugs, Drugs, or Drugs, Pugs, Hug, you know, that album. Because I, <laughs> no listen, one ever gets I listened to it yesterday. <laughs> I listened to it yesterday. So if you're listening to this, hit pause, uh, open up Spotify or uh, iTunes and uh, listen to Alex Hooper's Hugs, Pugs, and Drugs. Hugs, Drugs, Pugs. Hugs, Drugs, Pugs. And uh, I'll tell you why it's named that. Those are the three things that opened my mind and expanded my heart over the period of a few years. And a lot, when I told people I was going to name it that, they're like, you can't name an album that. And I'm yeah. like, why not? They're like, well, why? What, what? I was like, oh, I'm sorry. It doesn't need to be something deep and something like that sounds so smart. And I'm like, no, these, this is a hilarious thing that people will immediately know that's an Alex Hooper thing. Yeah. You know, those th- three things are very connected to me. You know what I mean? And that's what I get. That's how I get away with it is doing that kind of stuff. And so it's an honor that you actually listened to that yesterday. I appreciate that. I did. Well, you know, I want to be a good podcaster and I have no idea what I'm doing. So. Uh, I I always want to sort of immerse myself in whatever content my guests are putting out. And so I needed, I felt like I really needed to kind of go back and I watched some of your older YouTube videos to kind of get a sense of uh, just a, a deeper sense. Yeah. Because honestly, I just want to be your friend a little bit more than just at the... You are my friend. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you know, LA friends, we've, we've hung out at the shows and seen each other, but this is an opportunity for me to kind of, you know, just get a get a more connective sense about Alex Hooper's creative life, his personal life. Obviously, we have uh, both have an affinity for small, furry, cute, smushed-faced Damn dogs. Damn straight. Uh, psychedelic comedy. I mean, it's not even really a thing, but, you know, I think our sensibilities may cross over at a very similar intersection. And uh, I just love that. And that's kind of what this is all about. I just want to talk about shit I love with people that I admire. You have always been that person, just always shows up at the shows, always putting in the work. Always at the open mind. You know what I mean? Like you're one person, you've overcome so many things and you've been so dedicated to your craft. And I know that there's, you exude a confidence because at some point you have no choice but to be confident in who you are, what you do. And you talked about kind of finding that at festivals or however you got to know yourself better to bring that through into your material. But is there anything about the whole process that scares you? Like how does fear or rejection or whatever it is like, where do you re- meet resistance in your creative journey? I mean, every day I, you know, I have that, it, I have that feeling of just like, it, is, am I good enough? Is this good enough? And you have to quickly dispel those thoughts because it's very normal and everyone's going to have those. But then you have to say like, no, I'm supposed to be here. This is what I love doing. I live and breathe being a comedian. Like that really is when I, when I, started calling myself that I used to say one of my first couple of years I was like I'm an actor who does comedy and there was a very distinct line where I went I haven't acted anything in a year I'm doing comedy every fucking night of my life I'm not an actor anymore I'm a comedian and I I have had billions of rejections over the course of my 
uh, of my career. And that's one thing I tell everybody that's going to start night in art, any endeavor whatsoever that's artistic or personal is you need to embrace rejection. And it's typically not personal. And you're going to have so many losses compared to your wins, especially in the first few years. I mean, I told somebody, I've auditioned for, I don't know how many hundreds of commercials in my life. I've booked three. I mean, this is the same with like a lot of TV shows, a lot of everything you do is gearing up for rejection because we're all, especially now, we're all just trying to fight our way to be seen and to be heard, you know, in the vast void, <laughs> void yeah, of that, the entire universe. You that's know? the word that came to my mind, in the void. And it really it really does feel like that sometimes where you're just like screaming into like, will somebody please listen to what I'm doing? I'm working hard. Yeah, and I think uh, when you make, when your work is personal, it adds a little edge to that rejection where it's hard to inoculate yourself against the, uh, you know, in a sense, because you're like, it's such a personal thing. This came from me. This is about my life. And then, you know, you learn eventually through uh, coming up against that. I know certainly what that feels like. So if you show up every day with a little bit of that resistance, what moves you through it? Where do you find that? What's the connective tissue to kind of like, What's, I can, without you even finish the question, it's what's on the other side. Mm -hmm. It's like, so you, you mentioned fear a second ago and people tell me all the time, you're, they tell me I'm fearless. I am 100% not fearless. I am scared of Every single time I walk on stage, I don't care whether I'm doing a theater for 2,000 people or if I'm doing an op- like an open mic in a closet in front of four people. Before I walk on stage, I am absolutely nervous and terrified. My stomach is going in knots. I'm like sweating. All of that, you know, and, but my whole thing is just like, no one is actually fearless unless you're a sociopath. Everyone has fear. It's how you harness the fear. And one thing I've learned how to do just through my own meditations and breathing and, and being confident with what I'm doing is channel the fear into something positive. So I really do believe when you feel that tension going through, when your blood turns cold and your hair stands up, that's a good thing because that means you are on edge, you're alert, and you're prepared for what's about to happen. So it's all about like overcoming that initial like, holy fuck, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is not a good thing. I shouldn't even be here right now to just breathing deep and realizing that I am supposed to do, be here and doing all this. And it really just comes into play. And I've just had moments in my life where I like, you know, these moments where, oh my God, this could have destroyed me if I let it, but I'm not going to let it. Instead, resilience, you just taught, you know, you re, it builds you up and makes you stronger. And I mean, perfect example, what happened to me on America's Got Talent in my first time around in 2018, that was the best and worst moment of my entire life. In the in the moment, the absolute worst. A nightmare. Being booed by 3,000 people on national television in the biggest opportunity I've ever had. And while, I, I mean, it was soul-crushing, to say the least. And I think there's a lot of people who would have gone through that experience and probably not recovered. Um, in to at least being in, in a comedic sense, maybe even an artistic, in a human sense, just because of what I mean. Public speaking is mo- is the number one fear in the world. Um, and to go on stage 
on a TV show that is more popular than basically anything and be essentially ridiculed for what I was doing was terrible. I mean, I don't wish that on anybody. But in the same respect, when it, like, when I walked out of there, I was defeated and I was a little broken, but I also was like, well, that's never going to happen again, right? I mean, it can't get any worse than that. I can't imagine what I would possibly do in my life to go through another situation where people were so hated me with not just, it was just so much vitriol just shooting at me. And I felt sick for days because of the negative energy that was just thrust upon me, you know, but you walk away from that and then it aired and the internet basically lifted me up and was like, this guy's a legend. This guy's a hero. This is the greatest act in the history of the show. It's all the people I did it for. Because when I went on that show, I was like, this is not my audience. They are not going to like this. Um, but if 1% of the 10 million people enjoy it, that's 100,000 people. That's pretty fucking good. And then when it hit the internet... It was way more than that because the internet, of course, is all the people that don't watch that show, but then they get this clip and they're like, who the fuck is this, dude? He went on that show and just burned that shit to the ground. And they edited it in a way that makes it look like I know exactly what I'm doing. I didn't. Um, and I'm very, I, you know, I'm kind of forever in a little bit of like indebted to AGT for releasing the clip in a way that really made me stand out. Professional roaster is what they called me. I mean, that, they gave me a title all of a sudden, you know, and that's never what I aimed for. It just, it, it just, that was me having a silly idea, believing in it and realizing that the best thing to, it, once I have an idea, if it's really stuck in my head, I have to just do it. Mm-hmm. I have to, I can't, I, and I mean, until I do it, I, there's a gnawing feeling inside of me. And that's why I do so many like awkward and weird projects. And that's why people, Kind of, a lot of people can't get a grip on who, like, what I am as a comedian. Because like you said, like, well, okay, some people put out a special and I'm like, you put out a pug yoga calendar. Why? You wrote a book about, uh, you wrote a self-help book about how to roast yourself to happiness. You know, you put out a special from London that's like a docu-series. You're putting out, you know, all these things that, that I do are very just part of me and I think once you once you really start doing things for you and not for other people that's how you really cultivate an audience and get people on your side is you're not doing it it is for them but it's so you yeah that they understand that this is there's authenticity in that yeah. and that's part of the fear of like when I first started like wearing the outlandish outfits like when I roasted and then even like you know my style on stage I was really afraid to wear that shit because I was no one's gonna take me seriously if I'm on stage wearing a fucking kimono and then I just started doing it and I realized people took me so so much more genuinely mm-hmm. because they look at a person who is obviously confident and sure of himself and they're like look Maybe I wouldn't wear that, but that doesn't mean I can't listen to what this person has to say because clearly he has a perspective. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing of just like, you know, people have, people have said what I do is a gimmick. It's not a gimmick. It's me. 
I love wearing that shit. Yeah. There's no place I feel more free than when I am either on stage or running around a music festival. I am the a pig in shit in both of those situations because I, I don't feel judged. Yeah. I feel like I'm just, I'm 100% myself right now, even if it comes out in these different forms. Yeah. I, and I, I love that so much. And I, it's come up already a couple of times in this short conversation about, you know, you feeling like most comfortable, you feeling yourself. So having like finding what you were looking for sounds like you were, searching for a feeling that you found on stage, you found it at a festival, and now you're cre- recreating that feeling on stage by throwing on a jacket. You don't wear, you're not wearing that now. You know, no, so I thanks, mean, for, thanks yeah. for toning it down for the apartment <laughs> conversation. I mean, it's a hot day outside. Yeah, I'm wearing a t-shirt and shorts. Now, I will say my t-shirt, it says acid on it. It I does. Mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's my friend Sasha Robati, who's a DJ. Uh, it's, his, it's his merch, and I just love it. Uh, Hell yeah. But, uh, no, it's one of those things where... Shout out to Sasha. Yeah, he's he's the best. Sasha Robati, look him up. Um, so he's just one of those... It's just one of those things where I feel really good wearing these things and I do feel like myself and I think once you get that get to that point you can write from a different place you can perform from a different place and everything about it is just incredibly freeing and I'm okay if people in the crowd don't like me I understand that I am not going to be for every single person I am a specific type and I do think I relate well to most crowds but if someone doesn't like me I do not take that personally at all I'm like hey I can show you a hundred other comedians that you'll probably enjoy and it's okay if you don't like how me. long did it take you to build up that resilient insight I mean years yeah. I don't I didn't start I first put on like an actual like like a like a roasting costume which was stuff I was wearing at festivals mm-hmm. when I in 2016 was that I was already was that around the crave Rave thing. Crave is already happening. Okay. I mean, so yeah, yeah, another endeavor that I that I forget about some like I mean, Crave were these insane all-night comedy warehouse parties yeah. that were just like, you know, people my whole thing Crave, with, it's a comedy rave. It's a comedy rave, that's exactly right. <laughs> and my whole thing with Crave and everything else I do is breaking people out of their reality and their thought patterns. I want to provide an escape. And that's, if you can do that for people, if they can walk into your show, your event, look at your calendar, read your book, and suddenly forget about all of the horrendous events that are happening in the world and the terrible news cycle that gets flooded into our brains every day, if for an hour I can just make you lose your mind a little bit, come into my world and just play. Yes. That's goal fucking achieved. Dude, so I think this is where the whole thing overlaps for me is because that's what I teach people to do and I use to – it's like to run a pattern interrupt on yourself because as you say, like you wake up every day with this sort of – it's not existential angst but it's like am I in the right place doing the right thing? Am I a good person? And maybe not everybody has these thoughts. I certainly do. Sounds like you have a similar conversation with yourself every day is like – is this right? Is this right? Am I good at this? Am I really in where I'm supposed to be? And even though life has shown me over time, it's like, yeah, you're fucking exactly where you need to be all the time. Uh, you're still leave, living, breathing, doing whatever. But those moments when you can either do comedy or listen to comedy or fucking do a breath work or whatever would run a pattern interrupt, just like to completely shift you out of that crazy momentum 
The things that the thoughts are gathering inside your head, ready to kick your, you're like ready to kick your own ass, but you're like, no, I need a, like, I need a Hooper moment or I need a, I need some kind of like, just something to jostle me out of that pattern. Yeah, no, very much so. And I mean, that's why, that's what I, that's why I think people often refer to my show. When they see my show, they're like, that was a roller coaster, dude. And I'm like, good, because roller coasters are fun and scary. Like, that's what I want, but it's also safe. You're in an okay space. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what I want. I want your emotions. I want you to meet. I want to tug at your heartstrings. I want to make you laugh uncontrollably. I want to make you cry sometimes. I want, I want Have to. Have you ever run... made anybody cry? I've made some people cry. For sure, yeah. I mean, I've definitely because I've had some some moments on stage that were just extremely personal, especially yeah. in my podcast. People cry all the time during my podcast. Yeah, your podcast is a is a different animal, and it, like I love that it it kind of shows that different side of you and a, a lot more personal. And you're also talking to other people, comedians, and other professional creatives about. Like, what is their biggest sticking... Where do they get hung up? Where's What's your Achilles heel? What's I mean, your Achilles the, heel? Yeah, that's the name of the podcast. So that's check it. that out. Everybody. But that's, the, that, that, that's a part of me that is... You really want to know who I am? Listen to my podcast. Yes. My clips will show you some things. If you see my live show, you'll learn some things. But the podcast is a long-form conversation that I cannot hide who I am. We talk about very dark shit, but we laugh about it. And we, have, yeah. and we have incredibly honest moments on there. And every guest I've ever had has been lent so much vulnerability and so much truth and has really normalized these issues that nobody likes to talk about. The tagline of Achilles Heels, the first thing we discuss is the last thing you want to talk about. Yes. So I'm instantly going, hey, just so you know, we're going there today. Like, we're not going to pussyfoot around this subject matter that a lot of people don't know what to do. We're going to talk about mental health, physical trauma, emotional pain, spiritual fucking cruxes in your life. We're going to talk about all that shit, but we're going to do it in a way that is cathartic and therapeutic and helpful to so many other people that are afraid to have these types of conversations. Yeah, and I imagine, like, the, the conversation between you and your guests, like, like this right now, it's helpful it's interactive it's cathartic for just to be here in presence with somebody but then to have that ripple out to people who can relate to those achilles heels like oh i feel that way or that's god i would never admit to that you know somebody's gonna say like oh my god i can't believe they're talking about this right now which i think if it all kind of boils down like Art is what transmutes those less savory parts of who we are. A hundred percent. Right? So whatever you choose or however you choose to express yourself, I mean, go after it, you know, fearlessly or with fear and then just know that you can, you know, you're going to be okay because God damn it, there's enough uh, technology in our lives today that you can kind of not put it out or put it out or throw a filter on it and call it whatever, <laughs> you know, and... I just, it, I think it's so important to understand that about ourselves, like art transmutes thing, but it doesn't always, like, it's not always perfect and it's hardly ever like pretty right out of the gate. You have to work at it and reiterate over time. So um, in your journey, what are some things that anchor you to, so, you know, to sort of a sense of being grounded? Do you always live in this sort of like, go, 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 like hyper energy space? Or do you have things that kind of get you back to earth where you have to sit down and 
work on a bit, like write it out or like get organized or how, oh, sure. how, does, how does that shit happen? I have to ground myself because I am, I'm a person who, if you didn't stop me, I am going a hundred miles per hour, just flying through space wormholes, like constantly just seeking, seeking like enlightenment or whatever you want to say about it. Like more joy, more peace, more silliness, all these things. But what really, really grounds me is my fiance, for one, we've been together since we were in college. You know, we've, we've literally, we've been together in some form or another for basically 17 years. Which is amazing. And yeah, it's, it's incredible to have that kind of longevity in a relationship. And she is, She's a wonderful, beautiful, you know, person. She's got her freaky side, too, that she lets out whenever she needs. Obviously, she's with me. Like, she's not some square, you know. But, um, uh, like I used to say, before we were engaged, I always say, you would never know my girlfriend did drugs until you met her boyfriend. You know, like, and then, like, that was my joke about it. And she she grounds me. The pugs ground me. My friends ground me. Because, like, while I am friends with a lot of fucking comedians, Mm -hmm. my tight-knit circle includes very, very few. There are all these other just, like, types of people that live to have fun and are very loving. But I'm the comedian in the group. Everyone's fucking hilarious. But I'm the only one that does this as a job. So I don't just get sucked into these this conversations in these holes where you're only around other comedians and only talking about comedy. And I think being well-rounded is so important. So I go to, I try to go to a lot of concerts and a lot of, a lot of festivals and a lot of, I travel a lot and I try to relate to people and just get on their level and see like, well, what are you doing to find happiness? What are you, what are your practices? What may, what gets you there? Yeah. And I have to stop and slow myself down sometimes, especially when I really get into like a work place where I feel like I am just beating myself up over and over again by not creating or not producing. And my fiance, she said something to me like two weeks ago where I was really frustrated because I couldn't think of another project, like a big, I always want to, I always want to be working on some major project to set for a release. And I didn't have anything. And she could tell that I was struggling. I was just like literally going out every day and slacklining and playing tennis. And like, she's like, you're avoiding work by exercising. And I was like, that's not the worst thing. And I was like, I was, and I was like, I just can't, she, I was like, I can't think of what to do right now. And she just looks at me and she goes, your productivity is not your worth. And I, like, stopped dead in my tracks. I was like, well, how the fuck long have you been sitting on that gym? Like, you couldn't have told me that seven years ago when I was freaking the fuck out? I needed that. Like, you're exactly right. And I was like, I was like... But that's what we do to ourselves sometimes. We say if we're not putting out, if we're not in the scene, if we're not making ourselves known, then we don't feel validated. But just by existing and by being here on earth, you are validated. You are here. Mm -hmm. You don't always have to be doing shit. And that's very hard to wrap your head around for any artistic person. Because especially now, all you see every single day is everyone you know doing shit. This person just booked this series. This person just wrote a book. This person just started a new podcast. This person's going on arena tours opening for this person. And you're like, fuck. Well, what am I doing? And the answer, when you really look back, uh, when I look down on paper, it's like, I'm doing so many things. I'm doing so many things. And like, and, and then sometimes you really have to step back, step out of yourself and look in and go, oh, 
I'm fine. I'm yeah. doing a great job. Well, I'd say sometimes the you know the wheels start spinning. You start to feel you know devoid of uh, worth uh, because you're not productive. But you you did what I think is so helpful and something that I do is like you just grounded yourself in your body. Yeah. And I know you you know you post videos all the time and you talk about it. You're a proficient slackliner. Yeah. And uh, you know I think that. Those kinds of habits and practices are another kind of pattern interrupt where you can start to cycle through all of this stuff. You're like, oh, I'm just going to go and get physical. I'm just going to get in my body, get out of my head. And then the answers can come. Sometimes they come through other people. But if, if you don't have that feedback of a fiance or somebody like that, like you can just take yourself out of whatever's happening in that moment and, you know, Go fucking do whatever it is that you love to do. Like where you find joy is so important to reconnect with that. And if you can adopt a physical practice, I think that helps. Yeah. I mean, slacklining, I found it accidentally. I was at a festival. I saw people doing it. I thought it was How long ago? Four, almost five years. Mm. Or yeah, four, almost five years ago is when I tried it for the first time um, at a festival called Dirty Bird that I've performed at many times. I'll be back there in October. Um, it's in Northern, it's in Modesto. Um, I just did the one in Florida. I mean, it's just, it's just hilarious, silly people, booty thumping bass. It's just really super, it's so fun. But I saw people slacklining. It's one of those things where people see it all the time and they go, I think I could do that. And that was me. I was like, I, can, I have great balance. I can walk across that. I could not figure this thing out for the life of me. And it was infuriating. And I was just like, okay, how do I make this thing work for me? How do I learn how to do this? And the extreme focus and relaxation that I had to learn and the persistence was so beneficial for me in so many ways. I was, uh, it, it helped my comedy. It helped me be more grounded, like you said, in life. It was the, per I became addicted to the progression of it. And very much just like comedy is I'm so addicted to how, where I'll end up and how much better I can get. And what is my next insane bit that's going to be thought provoking and funny and progressive and all these things. And that's where I can't stop myself is I just want to keep getting better and keep getting crazier. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to highline now, which is when you're slacklining at a very high height. And it is the scariest fucking thing I've ever done in my life. And I'm just trying to learn how to get over the fear and breathe through it because I know if I, if I am able to highline and I mean, I've tried it a few times, um, but I've never actually walked across the line. Um, fully. I know if I do that, something inside of me will snap and open up a whole nother portal to creativity, energy, youthfulness. And now it's just in my head. I have to do it. And people see me doing that. They see me in the videos of me like whipping in a canyon, falling a hundred feet up and attached to this harness. And it is, and they're like, why would you do that? And it's because I'm addicted to the progression. Yeah, because I want to prove to myself that I can, you know, and that's really all it is. It's not for anybody else. It's just for my own sense of well-being to say I did this terrifying thing, but I did it. That I, I have to take a second to sort of like bring all of that in. You said something about being addicted to the progression, which I think is 
to me, it reads as a just a profound statement for anybody who is looking at getting better at anything or starting a habit of changing something about themselves or creating something new. It starts with, you know, seeing the progress in it. Like, stupid thing, I started brushing my teeth with my non-dominant hand. Oh, God, isn't that so fucking like, hard? Like six months ago, or maybe even more now. I do it automatically without thinking about it now, but... As an exercise, it just showed me like these little micro progressions of like it just we are designed somehow or just by default like that is what we do. We we create momentum in certain, you know, like sort of behaviors or trains of thought or whatever it is that has energy behind it. And we just sort of like that energy compounds the more we persistently engage with it, which, you know, when I hear you talk about, you know, how slacklining feeds your comedy, that's not a. Uh, an association a lot of people are going to make, but if you're a creative person, like it's those types of things. You you know, pick your own metaphor, but like I think that's trans, like it's transformational in a sense. You're like, oh, balance, relaxation, at the height of tension, presence, I, presence. That translates to the stage in ways that I mean, yeah, it's like a mind blow emoji moment. Like you're just like that's, and it's another thing dope. that made me feel confident and amazing because people would see me people see me doing this in the park and basically at this point I can stay up there for hours without falling off and I usually have headphones on and I'm literally just dancing like on the blindfolded. line yeah doing it blindfolded and people see this and they're like whoa this is crazy which gives me a little boost of inspiration to think oh whoa I this person is impressed by what I'm doing and it's not really about, it's not about them, but that does give you an extra kick to be like, you're doing something that most people never would even think about doing, but you're, and like, you know, I get asked all the time, are you in the circus or something like that? Like, which I think is <laughs> so, well, so hilarious. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. I mean, my whole life was a goddamn circus. Like, I mean, yeah. honestly, get me a fucking elephant um, and let me just ride that thing in. Where are you going to park that, sir? <laughs> it's true. I mean, it wouldn't it'd really probably do well in my garage, but I could slackline on the trunk if it was sticking straight out. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that's and that's part of it is like I want to do it. Sorry, I just got this like two elephant garage uh, idea. Then you've got a slack, you've got a slack line between the two of them. And here's Alex Hooper juggling on a slack line, riding you know between two elephants. Anyway, yeah, I, just, I digress. No, no, no. It's like, that's I'm I'm alive. I love tangential stuff like that. <laughs> but yeah, it's really all about like how can I continually surprise myself. Mm. And if I'm surprising myself, I know I'm having a good time. And I think so many people forget how to break themselves out of their own stagnancy and they go through these very daily routines that just they fall into a pattern and they don't know how to get out of it. And my thing is I'm always trying new things. I'm, I'm very curious. I'm very experimental. And I'm okay failing. And that's the biggest thing I think people are afraid of is they're like, if I don't do that, I'm going to look stupid. Yeah. If I do it right. Right. And dude, maybe, but who the fuck cares? Go look stupid. And honestly, you'll discover things about yourself. You'll find nuanced little triggers that are going to go off and make your brain fire in all kinds of different ways. Yeah. And I, you know, do that kind of stuff to myself, like tr trying to make that my default in a sense where I feel like I'm at my growth edge every day, where I'm a little bit afraid to do something like, I mean, just, you know, getting you over here to my apartment. I'm like, I'm make it's is it clean? Is it messy? Like, are we going to engage? Like, I have nervous energy. So be it. 
Yeah. We're here. It's cracking. And, uh, you know, I just, I think it's such an important thing. And the sole reason that this podcast even exists is because there is a kind of a way to put things into perspective for yourself where you can just strip away all of the bullshit meanings that we've been fed about what this is or what that means or how your parents told you to do it and how they're like, now we're at a, an age and a point in time or whatever it is that we have this fucking phenomenal awareness about what we're capable of and then testing yourself about, you know, a little every day, some little minute thing, you use it uh, as a metaphor for other areas of your life. And I don't know, man, I just want to champion more of that into the world. And so when I meet folks like you who embody that in a way, and you know, it's, it's sort of like, it seems like it's a creative force behind your, um, you know, your work, your uh, presence in the world. And it shows up indirectly through how you communicate with an audience, but then again, how you just walk through life. I just, yeah. I mean, the thing is like, I love people and I'm fueled by people and I, a shared experience to me is the most important thing in the entire world of we're all here and we're connecting because of this one thing that we're all, this one source that we're all just like, you know, coming together at the same time and having this. And that's why I love live experiences so much. And that's why, like, I just think breaking, like, dude, the brushing your thing with your non-dominant hand, it just, (laughs) it seems like such a minute change. I'm telling you, if you're listening to this, fucking try it tonight and you will feel so awkward and you you'll almost feel like you have zero coordination whatsoever but like you said over time it's because you haven't done it before but then if you do it and even within a week you'll start feeling a little bit better and a little more consistent and fluid i brush my teeth better with my right hand now than i do with my left it's like i hold the brush completely different and at a different angle with a different sort of pressure Mm -hmm. and it's now it's natural to me and it, when I would do it with my, my dominant, my left hand, now it feels weird to me. But see, that's, but that's a, such a good move because that's something anyone can do yeah. without having to, without having to buy any tools or take time out of their day. You're learning how to break out of your own routine. And sometimes I just want to shake people that I see that are stuck in the same point. I'm like, you just keep doing the exact same thing. And like, you know, go, go travel, go do anything. One of the things I love about being a comedian is I go to all these places that otherwise I would never fucking go. You know, there is no reason whatsoever for me to go to Lincoln, Nebraska. For me to go to Davenport, Iowa. There is no reason. But I get to see these places and meet these people that live here and it makes me a more well-rounded human. I can see all these different perspectives coming together. I can see, well, what's important to you here? What's what's meaningful to you? And I just think I've become a much better person because of comedy, because it's taught me all of these things about life of like, truly, what is the meaning of life? And to me, like, you know, that is the age old question that everyone's trying to answer. To me, it is just giving love and having fun. And if you're doing those things, you're going to enjoy yourself, you know, even like when you go through grief and you're, and you're mourning a loss of a loved one, you can look at the time that you spent and be happy that you had that time and it will help you process all of the pain that you're about to go through because you know you extracted everything you could out of that relationship while you had it. 
And I just think things like that are so important of just like try new things all the fucking time. Yeah. I, I say this, uh, often enough to myself and other people around me, but ritualize your discomfort. Yeah. Make, love that. Make a habit out of feeling awkward or uncomfortable, whether it's like brushing your teeth with your non-dominant hand, a very easy place to start, or putting yourself out on an open mic and saying things that you think are funny in front of people. Right. Where, <laughs> you, know, they, you know, you find a whatever. you find a silly hat in a goodwill store, you're like, I can't wear that hat. Yes, you fucking can. <laughs> people tell me all the time, I could never get away with what you wear. And I'm like, yes, you can if you just wear it and you don't like uh did do i look okay do i feel weird is this awkward like if you do that then yeah you can't but if you just own it you know i you know i like i mean i perform comedy in fucking all kinds of weird outfits and stuff and again people just it might not be for you but because i'm doing it with an air of confidence it works. Yeah. And that's what you need to... Whatever you're doing, just fucking own it. I read a book once that is called The Magic... I've read... I've, I've once. I've read one book in my life. Uh, it's called The Bible. Heard of it? No. Um, so there's a book I read in like the end of like 2019 called The Magic of Thinking Big. And it was written in the 50s. Do you know this book? I do. Yeah. It I was listen written, to it. I don't read books anymore. It was written in the 50s and it was, it's really funny because, you know, it's, it's got a lot of references of like, this man just came home from the war. And like, I'm like, what? What are we doing here? But one of the things it said is if you are confident in your job, walk right, and you get a new job and you want to move up in that company, walk up to the boss on the first day and say, one day I'm going to be sitting right where you are. And, what that will tell, most people would think a boss would go, yeah, fucking right you are, you fucking peon. No. What that says to a person who's in that position of power is, oh, this person's motivated. They are inspired and they have goals and aspirations to be in a higher place than they are now. And they will respect the fuck out of you for it. And I, I'm, I'm very clear with people of what I want. When I say I'm going to sell out theaters as a comedian, when right now I'm struggling to sell tickets when I go on the road, I mean it because I know there is a path that will get me there and I'm going to do whatever it takes, you know, to make sure that I get there. And so I'll say that to people. And, you know, I have a friend who said, I remember a couple of years ago we were doing a show together. She goes, theaters, I'm do, I want to do arenas. I want to do stadiums. I was like, okay, I mean, sure, great, great. Guess what? She's doing arenas now. <laughs> She's doing it because she visualized and manifested that shit. Well, yeah, and there's a, you know, I, again, I, I don't want to lean too much on cliches because I, you know, it's like, ah, that's already been said a million times. But you speak it into existence. <laughs> Operate from a place of abundance. Act like you're already there, like you already have it. Because, like, and, dude, I write, I write in a journal pretty much every day. And basically what it comes out is when I'm having these thoughts of, like, but how are you going to get there? You're so far away from that. You're the, And I'm writing down these things of, like, of like it will take hard work. It's going to be scary. There's going to be a shit ton of rejection along the way. But I will get to a point where I show up to a theater in a beautiful black Escalade. And when I pull up around the back, I can see the line of people waiting to get in. They're all dressed in a really fun way that's unique to them. I can see my name on the marquee. Alex Hooper, sold out. Three nights, whatever. And I want... I know that will be there. Mm-hmm. So I write about it. And I've talked to people, they're like, well, I can't really lie to myself when I'm writing. 
Yes, you fucking can. One hundred percent, you can, and you should. Yeah. A little bit, a little Tell bit. Tell yourself that. Like a healthy amount of delusion is okay. Completely. Like as long as it is grounded in some form of reality. If you're like, well, I am definitely going to do a handstand on Venus one day. No, you're not. But what could you do that's similar to that feeling? Sure. Like make sure that you just have a path. To get there, even if it's one, even if you're not sure of exactly what it is, just take goals. There was a book. There's another. I'm going to mention another book. Yeah, it's called The Slight Edge. Ooh, and basically, that's one I haven't heard. So The Slight Edge is this book where basically it says the the concept is every decision you make will either tick you up or tick you down. So when you're making decisions, these tiny, tiny little things try to always tick up towards your goal because eventually when you're everybody that's ticking up and down is on the same plane for a very long time but over the course of your life you'll start to one person's going slowly up and the other person's going slowly down and for the first few years you're not going to realize the difference but then all of a sudden you'll be way up here and the other person's going to be down here and it's all because you were conscious that every choice you made was going toward you being a better person and it's simple things right of just like hey um i want to sit on the couch and watch tv but i know i should probably go for a walk around the neighborhood Great. Then put on some music in your ears. Take them if you need some entertainment, but go for that fucking walk and then come back and watch TV. I know it's not always fun to order the salad instead of fries. Order the fries sometimes, but overall realize that if you order the fries every time, you are doing yourself a disservice. Mm -hmm. And it's these little tiny things of just like, yeah, force yourself to write every day. Do a little meditation. Do read something. Anything that can tick you up. And the more you tick yourself up, the more you'll vibrate on a higher frequency. Oh, now I'm talking the hippy-dippy bullshit, yeah. Brian. I, I always, like, I, I cringe at it, but only because I love it. Like, there's some truth to all of this shit. And it's, 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 it's worth making fun of, too. Yeah, yeah for which sure. Is, which is one of the things I do appreciate about the work that you put out into the work. Because you're like, this is absolutely ridiculous to say. It's ridiculous to hear it. But when you apply it, it would it like it's ridiculous to see it work. Yeah. Like you see things start to shift in your life, your perspective changes, your the things that you uh, attract. Again, another fucking word that it's like oh the the law of attraction. The you know say it whatever. I'm just so I try I try my best to avoid these cliches and I can't help it. I can't help it either because I just I I realize that it does. Work. It's a simple mentality shift. It's a mindset. Just, yeah, yeah, it really is. And I know it sounds fucking dumb. It's, if you don't, it's so if you don't, if you haven't done any of this work, because I used to be there, and I even made a series on YouTube. Like I made like six or seven videos called Misguided Meditation. Misguided Meditation. And the whole idea behind it was like, look, I'm gonna guide you through a meditation, but it's gonna be silly and fun and stupid, and you're, it's not gonna, you know, it will do the job, but it will also break you out a little bit and realize that you don't have to take this that seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to just make this shit work for you. And there are some people that are going to be on a, some higher level that are get holier than thou about you have to do this, you have to do that. Dude, I am so fucking enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> I am so enlightened. I got there. Um, but yeah, it's just, you, you know... I know it seems cheesy and stupid until you fucking do it and realize that there are results. Mm -hmm. And then you go, all right, well, maybe it wasn't so stupid. Oh, yeah, maybe I should have been doing this all along. But then you get it exactly when you need it. That's like, exactly it'll right. It'll click into place. And then so the pressure is off. 
Yeah. You, know, you couldn't have told me this when I was 20. You right. could never have told me this. Well, that's why when I, so when I wrote my book, Roast Yourself to Happiness, now available on Amazon, um, basically it's the whole idea was I wrote a self-help book for myself when I wasn't ready to receive self-help. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book that would be hilarious, yet also inspirational. So the first line of the book is, hello, underachieving shitbag. Like, if that doesn't tell you exactly what you're getting into, but also like, oh, like oh, like someone who's mad about their life or their place in the world or doesn't want to do the work on themselves, I tried to make an, an, a simpler approach to self-care. Here's a concept. Here's a little activity. It's going to be a little work, but it's also going to be fun and funny. Yeah, and the irony, sweet irony of the hippie comedian, festival-going, drug-doing self-helper is something that I just can't get enough of. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. I mean, hopefully and, and it seems people out there well, I was going to say, it seems like the, the world is responding in kind. Um, what's next for you? I started something. Okay, I started something yesterday on Instagram. I get really frustrated by social media. I it's a necessary evil. I have to do it for my job, but I don't like it. So I was like, I was meditating on. I was like, how can I put something out there that I'm proud of that makes me feel like I'm feeding social media in a genuinely positive way? So I started making these videos called Your Daily Lollipop, which is essentially. 20 to 30 second little tiny nugget of hilarious positivity. And I put my first one out yesterday and I didn't know what kind of response it would get, but I thought this is a way to give and not to take. Because every time I'm on social media, I'm going, come to my show, watch my thing, listen to my podcast, me, me, me. And that's what social media tends to be. So now I'm like, okay, how can I give myself to other people and not feel like I'm selling something? And when I released this first one yesterday, not only did it get a ton of response, it had over 50 shares and like 20 saves. And for a very first thing, for 50 people to say, I need to pass this on to somebody else, that made me feel like I hit something, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because I'm not selling you anything. I'm not telling you to come to my show. I'm just saying, hey, here's a little nugget to get you through your day, a a little piece of positivity that's also humorous and very me because I do think this is the way that I sell myself without selling myself. Yeah, you're giving away a little piece of you because I think, you know, we touched on it earlier and, you know, please tell me if, if you think I'm sort of incorrect in this, but your work is so personal. Like you literally are giving a piece of yourself. You're a giver. I'm a giver. And I think a lot of artists are people who they feel compelled to just share what's inside them, like somehow recontextualize the madness or the joy or whatever feeling they have at the moment and like try to share it because it doesn't always register the same way it is experienced inside and when it comes out. You know, I brilliantly stated. Is that, is that true? No, yeah, that was, that's 100% true. If you watch me do comedy for any extended period of time, like, I mean, obviously you're going to get a little bit of me in a five-minute set, but if you watch me for 30 minutes to an hour, mm-hmm. you should walk away going, I get that guy. I understand where he is mm-hmm. in his life and what he thinks about and, like, what he cares about. You should know that. You know, and yeah, giving myself through art is a great thing. And I do believe in positivity and motivation. So how do I do this, but still in a way that's super succinct, Mm -hmm. but also is me 
And that's when I when I got this when I had this idea the other night, like I literally had it two nights ago, and I couldn't sleep because I kept thinking of it and I was getting so excited. And the next day I woke up, very first thing, I made myself breakfast and I started writing these fuck I, I just wrote got in my computer and I wrote them. The lollipops? Yeah. And are I wrote, cha- I wrote are changing ten your, of them. Are you changing your outfit every time you record? Well, like you did, uh, yeah, you, did, I, you did ten in a row yesterday. Yeah, so I had I, I cycled <laughs> through like six or seven outfits. I have more yeah. and I'm gonna use them for later. But yeah, because you know, I, I would be very disappointed if I'm just watching the same outfit every no. day. No, and they're also going on my Instagram feed, so I can't look like they're the exact same video every single time either. So, I just recorded yeah. this for you today, yesterday. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I changed my outfit a bunch of times and stuff, and like that was it. Didn't take me long at all. The whole process took less than an ninety minutes to write ten of them and to record ten of them. Yeah, because they're so short, and because like yeah, they're just little ideas, little nuggets. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I think is like, I want my comedy to make you feel better. I want whatever I do to make you happier in some way. That's what comedy's supposed to fucking do. It's supposed to make you think, but it's supposed to bring you joy. I'm just going to let it stop right there. We nailed it. Mission accomplished. If you're listening, you heard that Alex wants people who encounter him to leave with more joy in their hearts. And at this moment, my heart is so full. And I don't know about you, but I heard so many things that I needed to hear from Alex and myself. I mean, sometimes I need to hear the things I say repeated from myself to myself. It's like this sort of self-reinforcing cycle. But since this conversation is recorded, just so you know, Alex has married his fiance and has now recorded over 200 daily lollipops that he has shared on his IG page. So definitely head over there and uh, hop on the Alex Hooper train. The key takeaways from this episode, I mean, so many gems, right? But you should basically go out and do what makes you happy right now. Because energy is infectious. It really is. So, you know, face your fear. Embrace rejection. Take that fear and channel it. Use that, your body's signals while you're thinking. It's like, it's like the form of energy that underscores your thoughts and you can turn it into something greater. You got to break the patterns you have to provide, you know, to get out of it, to get out of the ruts and the routines. Comedy is an escape. So many things you can do. You can pick up and change your energy in the moment. This also landed. Your productivity is not your worth. That's a banger. And get addicted to progression. I think that was, that was, that was a gem. Get addicted to the progression of things, like the habits that you form. Just tune in to getting better. 1% every day, 365% better every year. I'm still brushing my teeth with my right hand, by the way. I mean, how do you continuously surprise yourself? Because if you're not, you should. You gotta do what makes you feel uncomfortable sometimes. Ritualize your discomfort. That's what I'm walking away with today. Because every decision you make, like Alex said, it ticks you up or it ticks you down. So choose more things that tick you up and move you in the direction of what it is you're trying to accomplish in life. Even if it's ugly, even if it's muddy. This podcast thing, it's up and down for me, obviously. Like, I'm here. We're here. You're here. Okay. So anyway, that's all I got for today. Another big, huge thank you to Alex Hooper. Uh, Be sure to connect with him on the World Wide Web, or as I like to call it, the shared nervous system of humanity. You can link to everything on his website, hoopercomedy.com. 
You can search the YouTube archives and listen to his misguided meditations or find the Achilles Heel podcast. Such a good show. He doesn't do it anymore, but it's definitely worth a listen. Um, but you can also stream his comedy albums, Calm Down Peasants, Hugs, Pugs, Drugs, and follow him on Instagram, of course. Duh, like that's where you're going to get your daily inspiration. At Hooper Hair Puff. Get your daily lollipop. Book him on Cameo. Buy his book and roast yourself to happiness. Okay, well, that's it for me. I love you. Thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget, you can always support this show by going to newnormalpodcast.com and clicking the Buy Me a Coffee link. It's up in the right-hand corner. You can buy New Normal merchandise. And uh, follow The Fledgling Journey on Instagram if you want, at New Normal Podcast. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the show so you can get an alert when new episodes come out. Because it's going to be different until I figure out life. But uh, yeah, the ultimate gift you're really feeling generous, leave a comment or a review. Let me know what you think of the show, honestly. I mean, making it for you is what makes it for me. So I'd love to hear from you. More episodes are coming, so please come back for a listen. Sound quality should be better (laughs) on the next one. Uh, But I'm glad I just got it out. You know, sometimes done is better than perfect. So uh, yeah, I'm in a much better place and connecting to the world in this way is really a part of the process. I'm so grateful. Thank you, and don't forget to be kind to yourself. Until then. Once upon a time, there was a Chinese farmer who uh, lost a horse, ran away. And all the neighbors came around that evening and said, that's too bad. And he said, maybe. The next day, the horse came back and brought seven wild horses with it. And all the neighbors came around and said, why, that's great, isn't it? And he said, maybe. The next day, his son was attempting to tame one of these horses and was riding it and was thrown and broke his leg. And all the neighbors came round in the evening and said, well, that's too bad, isn't it? And the farmer said, maybe. And the next day, the conscription officers came around looking for people for the army. And they rejected his son because he had a broken leg. And all the neighbors came round in the evening and said, isn't that wonderful? And he said, maybe. The whole process of nature is an integrated process of immense complexity. And it is really impossible to tell whether anything that happens in it is good or bad. Because you never know what will be the consequences of a misfortune. Or 
You never know what will be the consequences of good fortune.